What's up, killstreakers? It is episode 54. It's Dick and Mick Gooley, the Gooley brothers, back again, back at you in your ears, tickling those little eardrums with our soft little fingers. <laughs> uh, if you don't know us, I'm Eric. Joining me is Mike Price from Texas. How are you, Mike? Bud Wise. <laughs> that's right killstreak we rate and review and rank all of the budweiser commercials from the late 90s <laughs> yeah with the one with the horse that kicks the field goal is that from the 90s or the 2000s uh either way i love it the clydesdales is yeah the clydesdales clydesdale kicking a field goal they play football at halftime that's what they're secretly doing <laughs> I remember there's a, in Scary Movie 2, I think, there's a what's up Yeah, joke. yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that if I was a sketch writer uh, 20 years ago, I would I would do a thing with the Clydesdales playing football, but it would be super realistic, so they would, like, get a lot of injuries. And, <laughs> like, have, have CTE and stuff. <laughs> have to be put down in the middle of the field because they broke a leg? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's good punch up. All right. I like that. I like yeah. that. Uh, okay. <laughs> we are gathered here to talk about the film Aliens. Uh, if you don't know, we are covering the Alien series, and now we're on to Aliens. Mm-hmm. Go back and listen to our episode about Alien. It's a movie that we love. Yeah. Uh, and now we're going to talk about one that we fucking hate. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Blood and Guts check. I mean, obviously, I've seen this movie so many times. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was not the first. Okay. Um, and this movie's a banger. It's it's just a two bangers in a row, man. It's what what uh what luck we have to. Well, I guess it's not luck. We chose yeah. to review this yeah. this series. Yeah, often referred to in Hollywood, Alien and Aliens as the Banger Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the uh, Susan Sarandon movie? <laughs> yeah, and Goldie Hawn. They play uh, Gerpies, I think. Oh, man. Old yeah. Gerpies. What a pair. Oh, can you imagine? I, I think they're called the Banger Sisters because they banged lots of musicians. <laughs> I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. Right into us at killstreakpot at gmail.com. If there was a sequel, if there was a series, we would cover the Banger Sisters in like... <laughs> <laughs> to do some counter programming from our normal yeah. horror fair. See if we can pick up some extra listeners. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my blood and guts check on aliens. Uh, this movie's great. It's yeah, really, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to go wrong with James Cameron. Uh, yeah. Especially like in it with his obsession with like military and yeah. You know, weapon, is, weapons and. Which is like. Is it a little weird? Because isn't he like pretty liberal? Isn't that his deal? I think so. I actually am not really sure what his political leanings are. I mean, I know he's a big time environmentalist, mm-hmm. um, which you can still be an environmentalist and a dick bag. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that anybody who's conservative is a dick bag. Um, no, but people I, who are anti environment, I think, would probably yeah. be a dick bag. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, but I mean, how this guy, how much does he like? I don't know if glamorize is the right word, mm-hmm. but he certainly puts the military front and center in a lot of his stuff and heart military hardware. Yeah. Um, 
that's you know, what that I was, kind of thing. I was thinking about that a lot while I was watching it this time around. Um, it's just like, wow, yeah, he, he fetishizes military. And yeah. yeah, the hardware, the guns, the guns are fucking sweet in this movie. Yeah. And like vehicles, equipment, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And he, like avatars the same way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, definitely the weapon fetishes, fetishes, fuck man, fetishization in T2. Yeah. Um, like I, I remember being like a young kid watching T2 and be like, that is so fucking cool. Those guns are so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this movie. How much? Okay, I'll say this. Like, you know, Alien is the movie that created the alien, right? Or as we now know, Xenomorph, thanks to uh-huh. this film, right? It introduced us to Ripley as Sigourney Weaver. It set it set the tone, or I shouldn't say tone, but it, it launched this franchise. But how much of what not only the Alien franchise becomes is born out of this movie? Um but also, like, I think that James Cameron maybe broke Hollywood. Like, sure. Like everything that a lot, of, like that a lot of people like me hate about the way Hollywood works now. Like, how much of that can you trace back to this? Right. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, but it doesn't. It's like cool when James Cameron does it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you're totally right. Like the big like big blockbuster action a uh a movie yeah um especially with like t2 being like at the time Mm -hmm. the ultimate blockbuster movie right um and then with avatar like doing the whole 3d thing yeah thing i fucking hate yeah uh, but i liked it in avatar (laughs) not that i'm a huge avatar apologist but like i thought the 3d was pretty cool in that at least when i saw it at the time right right So here's an analogy that's going to work for like 5% of our listening audience. But it's like, to me, he's like Steph Curry and what Steph Curry Uh did to the NBA over the last like seven years, which is like, he's a once in a lifetime three point shooter. So he changed the entire direction of the NBA by just being like, oh no, the way you win games is just by constantly chucking three point shots. That's all. That's right. What you right, right. Right. But the thing is, is he's better at it than everyone else is. Right. So it's, it's kind of cool when he does it and it works, but then like everybody else does it like 80% and it's like, well, this isn't as good. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a, that's a great analogy. Yeah. I think there are other good analogies that are probably better and maybe more fitting for our crowd, but, uh, <laughs> That's what, what came you, to mind. What would you say is your favorite Cameron movie? Ah, oh, shit. Um, Not to put you on the spot. Well, I mean, it's either... I think it's T2. It's got to be... I think it's T2 for me as well. Yeah. I Just think that, that... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, that movie has like a very near and dear to my heart thing going on where that was like the first R-rated movie I saw. Yeah. I even like had to leave. I couldn't finish it the first time because I got too scared. I was like, I was a pretty um, wussy kid. And I, remember, mm. I think it was in third grade. Isn't uh, And I rented it and I couldn't like, I was like, oh no, we got to shut it off. It's going to be too violent. And then I kind of powered through it again and I fucking loved it so much. And I became obsessed yeah. with it. So I think, yeah, T2 for me. I love Terminator yeah. as well, but Terminator. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, well, maybe correct me if I'm missing anything, but he goes, Terminator, Aliens, Abyss, mm-hmm. Terminator 2. 
those four so. movies camp coming out in a row are i mean that's it's it's a hall he's a that's a, that makes him a hall of famer outside of anything else he does i think that just yeah those, good those point four movies. i've never seen titanic titanic is good i mean i saw it twice in the theater and it's fucking three hours long and i was like 13 you know and i still Damn. ate that shit up i haven't seen it since then though because i'm afraid of my uh you know coming face to face with my innate femininity <laughs> i think embrace it oh man yeah. he fuck and he followed terminator 2 up with true lies that movie's that movie rules too true lies is a lot of fun true lies is where he stops it's like he was hitting he was hitting he was batting a thousand as far as i'm concerned with terminator through t2 and mm-hmm. then true lies is the first time that you start to see some issues but i think it's still a great movie it's still a lot of fun but uh and then, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, like a completely different type of film fan, would argue that Titanic is the best movie he's ever made. You know? Yeah, and it might be. I I was such a shithead about it. I think we had mm-hmm. the same kind of conversation with you and Blair Witch Project, where you were just like, yeah. "I'm not going to see it. It's too popular." Mm-hmm. And I was I was that about Titanic. So yeah. I just never saw it. And I you never should sit down and watch it. Yeah, I'll <laughs> definitely sit down and watch a three hour movie. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, man, I watched The Irishman. That's uh, true, and I've seen The Irishman twice, so... <laughs> it, it it took me a fucking week, but I watched the whole thing eventually. We should get a shirt that said, I watched The Irishman. <laughs> I saw a meme that was that hit very close to home. Uh-huh. Do you see that meme going around as, like, a guy at a party where he's, like, kind of off by himself in the corner where everybody else is dancing? Yeah, yeah and it's, he- like, an animated one. Uh no, it's, it's just a car a cartoon. Is that is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. Not like it's, it's, not it's a line drawing. It's not a photograph. Yes. Sorry. And uh, the thought bubble is they don't know that I saw the Irishman in theaters, which is <laughs> 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 like yeah, I saw it in theaters. Yeah, yeah. La- probably one of the last things I saw in theaters. Major flex. Yeah. No, I watched it on Netflix over the course of six days. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I but now it's back to back to James Cameron and back to this movie. I mean, so I think that yeah, there are a lot of things that happen here that are like the imprint that they left on filmmaking as a whole, but also just like movie, like how many movies. Okay. So first of all, as like an, a fairly avid gamer, mm-hmm. how many FPS games have cribbed whole bits of the plot of this movie, the character mm-hmm. design of this movie, the weapons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, yeah, I feel like it's so much like doom uh, was supposed to be an aliens game. Uh, oh, was it really? I didn't know that. Development, and then yeah, the id guys split off. Basically, you know, bailed on it when they felt like they weren't getting enough creative freedom. Uh, mm. Which good for them, you know. But I mean, it's like essentially, you know, the obviously like Wolfenstein is maybe the real birth of the FPS, but you know, Doom is what shot it into the stratosphere. And like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what that game was. Was Aliens the game? Yeah, you know. It's funny you mentioned that too because I don't think there's been a good Alien video game. Uh, I, I hear some good things about Alien Isolation. I never played it, but I started playing it uh, uh, last last week. Oh, really? Uh, I'm only like two hours into it, so I, I I literally have not engaged in any combat yet. So it's fair to say that it's starting a little slow for my taste. But uh-huh. I'll let you know how it goes. The, I'm not the I'm not the done. design looked cool. 
the it screenshots does. I've seen. It looks good. Uh, I mean, I'm playing it on a PS4, which I guess was its native console anyways. But mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, the, 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 the designs of the levels and the ships, uh, it, it, it's a nice nod to uh, really much more so it would seem alien than aliens. Yeah. So, yeah. So that kind of dovetails into something that I wanted to bring up, which is okay. I think Alien, the first movie, uh-huh. is a visual masterpiece. Yes. As far as set design, costume mm-hmm. design, the design of the of the xenomorph. And one thing that stuck out stuck out to me in this one is I don't think that the same can be said as much for this second one. Not to say it looks bad. Mm-hmm. It does yeah. not look bad. It looks fucking cool. But it's not that same level of attention to to detail, I think. Well, I think it's an attention to a different kind of detail. Mm-hmm. This is the is and I I think that this is, I mean, honestly, like these are two great movies to compare and contrast because it's not apples and apples. It's like no. they're t- tonally, they're two very different movies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody knows this, but like Alien is a horror movie, right? It has the trappings of sci fi and it's a space set film, but it is truly a horror movie. This is. I think if you had to pick like the majority genre in action movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like the thing. So I agree with your premise completely, which is that emphasis on things like set design. Um, let's say some of the like alien design for one thing, they didn't bring back HR Giger on this. Mm-hmm. They didn't have anybody designing because they basically Cameron designed the queen by himself and that was it. Oh, really? Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, they just used all the same stuff from the first movie. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of cinematography, yeah, there's more time and dedication spent on creating, you know, visual art in Alien. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie is interested in creating sort of kinetic spectacle. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there's. Al- yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry uh, to interrupt. Alien has more uh, beautiful tracking shots and and you know these quiet moments. This yeah. one is more of like balls to the wall, and yeah. not in like the annoying fr- like uh, fast cutting of like Ridley oh. Scott. 10 20 years from when he made alien and black mm. hawk down and shit but this is more you know it's more concerned with staging big action set pieces than it yeah. is you know yeah terror. but i mean i i think to give credit to jim cameron uh he certainly is putting there's a ton of attention to detail it's just like mm-hmm. where is it going right mm-hmm. and i think that that attention to detail is being put towards creating a larger world. Yeah, I was about to say world building. Yes, there's an intense amount of world building that happens. And I think this is like a your mileage may vary kind of thing, whereas it's like Cameron, his movies are big in their scope, and they're also like they're innovative almost in a meta way where it's like, you have to consider them in the context of the industry and like mm. what people are doing where it's like you gave a perfect example, like the 3d and avatar, right? The degree to which he uses CGI in that movie where it's like, 
you know, it was starting to happen already, but Avatar is really what made it okay for, like, the MCU to happen, right? Where it's just, like, whole movies that take place on a green screen. Because before Avatar... You know, you had like what Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow and shit like yeah. that. Which, those movies were like laughing stocks, you or, know? or like the prequels, the the Star Wars prequels. Yes, the prequels like, people fucking hated, hated for no reason. Yeah, and you know, you had a couple odd things here and there, like Sin City. I know is a movie that did that early on. I think before Avatar, but like, you know, that was somewhat successful, but it wasn't like a game changing kind of thing, right? Right. But I think that so Cameron, like he he does these incredibly innovative things, but I don't think his attention is on, like you said, quiet moments. It's not on composing. It's not on composing shots where you would like take a still away and be like, mm-hmm. look at the, this beautiful shot. It's like in order to appreciate what he's done, you have to have experienced the whole thing. Right. Yeah. He's And this is the thing is that it almost like I almost think this kind of feeds into that uh, that. Martin Scorsese kerfuffle that happened a couple of years ago, right? With the whole him, him essentially saying that Mart like superhero movies aren't cinema, that they are theme park rides. Right. And that kind of goes back to my original point, which is like, that's what Cameron does. He makes things that are experiential. Yeah. And he makes, not so much artistic. He makes movies that are equivalent to Disney rides where you're waiting in the line and they have a, a video going on and be like, Hey recruits, you're going to think this is your first day of training. Like that yeah. immersive, like the, mm-hmm. the, the illusion never stops from the yeah. start. Not, not that, you know, really Scott's any different in that right. regard, but yeah, he, he's in, he's, uh, he wants to build these big spectacles. I think you yeah. put it well. And I think immersive is a perfect word for it. I think that's what he excels at. Mm-hmm. He excels at immersing you as the viewer in an experience as opposed to like there is a little bit of remove with a movie like Alien where you do sort of step back and you appreciate it. Right. Mm-hmm. But maybe in its best in its best moments, you experience it. But I think I spent more time watching Alien appreciating the work that the that the crap the artists had done. Yeah. And I spent more time during Aliens feeling like I was going through something, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you, what, what do you want? What do you want out of the movie? And um, that's, that's the thing with these two movies. There are always people say, which one's better? Like, yeah. which we're not going to answer that question now. No. We have to I'm, I'm going to try very hard not to even give away my feelings on that. Like, yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, I do have an answer. <laughs> uh, but... But uh, yeah, it is like, what are you looking for in this very, in this moment? And yeah, that can vary wildly from night to night for me. You know, like sometimes I want a good creepy movie uh, Mm -hmm. like Alien. Sometimes I just want to watch a fucking action movie like Aliens. Uh, Right. Yeah. Both have merit. Both are great. These movies rule. Um, One more, like just to sort of start rounding towards our synopsis, the normal behind the scenes stuff that I want to hit on fast because we'll have Mm -hmm. to uh, time to talk about plenty of this stuff as we go on but this movie is much more of a i'm not going to say it's an auteur work but i i don't think that people maybe understand quite how much this is a james cameron movie um yeah d- well james cameron is hyper involved with every aspect of yes of his movies yeah absolutely so like the score like, sorry not the score the script for this movie was cobbled together 
using big chunks of a pre-existing script that he had written before uh before before he ever got his hands on the franchise right oh um and he did i can only say an excellent job of marrying whatever that pre-existing idea was to the framework of uh the alien franchise um he so he does have he he wrote the script so written by directed by james cameron Mm -hmm. um and then additionally, he, like I said, with uh, Giger not coming back, he did an intense amount of design work on this movie. Uh, he had hundreds of pages of sketches. Um, he had, you know, so many of the concepts in this are things that he brought. Uh, weapons ideas, vehicle ideas, you know, it's just... And, and you know, he, you know, this is not to take away from any of the many people who worked on the movie and did really good work, but it's like, there are lots of stories of him like, oh yeah, he came up with that. He's the one who designed that thing. Like he, you know, it's like you said, he is incredibly involved. Uh, sometimes to a fault, he is famously very difficult to work with. Oh, right. um, yeah. Uh, no, no real stories of like serious abuse that anybody that I don't think... At least as far as I know, we don't have to cancel James Cameron today. No, I think um, what I've heard is uh, we actually have a mutual friend who worked with him in, in a non-film capacity. Uh-huh. And he wa- he said um, that uh, Cameron was pretty standoffish with like the producer types, uh-huh. but was very friendly to the, um, the more like the everyman. Like the, the, the crew. The, the crew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, good for him. That's which makes sense. It's the best way to be. I mean, I guess the best way to be is for everybody to like you. But if you got to pick, if you got to pick one or the other, uh, you know, be yeah. good to the what? Are the, what? What is it from? It's like be good to the people you meet on the way up because they're going to be the same people you meet on the way down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, but yeah, he's. I don't think he's ever coming down unless. Well, that's not. Uh, who's to say what terrible alien? Uh, sorry, avatars two, three, four, and five. <laughs> maybe they'll be total yeah. busts. Or all he has to do is just uh, be creepy with the wrong with with a couple people. Oh and, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was I was uh, sorry not to interrupt. I was yeah. uh, shocked, not shocked. I love that he uses the same actors again and again in his movies. Yeah, like yeah. Bill, Bill Paxton, Sigourney Weaver. Uh, even uh, Vasquez, Jeanette Goldstein, yes. yeah, which is funny. She's doing like a little brown face thing there. <laughs> She's doing a big brown face thing, um, <laughs> which we can get into later. Um, yeah, he, so much so that in the grand tradition of Wikipedia, there is a frequent collaborators chart on his oh, Wikipedia nice. page. Yeah, um, so. Yeah, the biggest ones are probably Paxton, Lance Henriksen, mm-hmm. uh, and Jeanette Goldstein. Michael Bean makes yes, it. Michael Bean. He do, he gets three in a row. So he's in Terminator, he's in Aliens, and he's in The Abyss. Um, yeah, go ahead. Which movie was Michael Bean replaced on? Do you know he what I'm was, talking about? Well, so he was a replacement in this movie. Um, oh, okay. But then he was replaced... Not fully replaced on Avatar, but he was supposed to be an Avatar playing the Stephen Lang role, mm. um, which makes sense. They're they're two pretty similar vibe guys. Um, but then when when that was like a maybe thing, I guess, 
And then uh, when Sigourney Weaver got cast, he basically was like, I don't want to put both of you in it because it's going to feel like it's an alien thing. Um, Ah, I gotcha. So it wasn't like he fucked up. It was like, uh, Sigourney Weaver is more important than you are. Um, Which makes sense. Oh, yeah. He replaced somebody else. James Remar. James Remar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got arrested for drugs, right? Yes, that's right. So they shot with him for like a week or two. And... Um, you know, this is not the first time this has happened, but one of the first couple times they started this tradition of sending all of the military people off to boot camp together. Mm. Right. So Remar went to boot camp with everybody and then came back and then they shot for like a week and a half and then he got arrested for drug possession. And so they fired him. And uh, yeah, Gail Ann Hurd, the producer and wife of James Cameron basically said oh yeah we called michael bean on like a friday and we were like hey uh wow we need we need you in london on monday uh wow and and that was it like he had like two days to get ready fly to and they were shooting they were shooting you know two days later holy shit yeah i um this is a dark thing okay i apologize (laughs) but it reminded me i just watched uh rewatched the uh don't tell mom the babysitter's dead love it Love that. I love it too. It's great. Yeah. Uh the the boy in there, not like the middle kid. Mm-hmm. Um Cynthia, he, I love you, that kid. Yes, yeah, exactly. They yeah. had to like almost stop shooting because he had, his drug habit was so bad. And he was like 12 or 13 at the time. He's in point break. Yeah, yes, yeah, he is. And he ends up yeah. dying of an overdose. But I was uh, like well, re- reading like the at least in IMDb trivia. Mm-hmm. That's what it said. Like the, the producers considered stopping filming so he could go to rehab, which is like, Man. wow, he's so young in that movie. It's insane. Yeah. But I mean, is, isn't that what happens when you fucking grow up in L.A.? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're a child actor in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another we're talking about frequent collaborators. Right. So another little bit of trivia that I always found sort of interesting. And I don't know the whole story behind this, but. So, um, yeah, Aliens gets shot in 1986, I want to say. I I don't know if they started filming. I think they started filming that year. Um, This came out in 86. Uh, So the next year, uh, James Cameron's, I don't know at the time, wife, but, you know, uh, Academy Award winning director Catherine Bigelow, right, Mm -hmm. does a great, great movie, Near Dark. I've never seen it. I've been trying to. Oh, man. You've never no. seen Near Dark. I've yeah. never seen it. So so this is the great story behind this is basically this, uh, there's a trio of characters in the movie who are like essentially a family of vampires. Right. And they've been together for decades. Right. And so when Bigelow was casting, she basically said, I, I want to get actors who feel like a family, right? Mm-hmm. That like have this lived in chemistry and know each other, right? So as she and I think she wasn't married to Cameron at the time, but they were friends and he was, you know, uh a confidant and someone she would talk to about, you know, filmmaking ideas and stuff. Supposedly, and I think this is confirmed, I think she's confirmed this in an interview that Cameron basically suggested, "Hey, if you want that, like you should take some you should cast some of the people from Aliens because they all went to boot camp together. Like they all did this crazy shoot together. Yeah. And so she ended up casting Lance Henderson, 
uh, Bill Paxton and Jeanette Goldstein in those oh, roles. Oh, cool. Yeah. So and, uh, yeah, that movie is not streaming anywhere. I've been wa- I've been wanting to watch it. It's great. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, uh, I thought that was cool as well. Um, this movie surprisingly not that expensive. The really? famously, uh, they were dealing with a pretty tight budget for what, especially for what they were trying to pull off. Like the announced, the reported budget is less than twenty million dollars. It's like eighteen plus. Wow. Um, and obviously it was very successful, very profitable film, but it's like, it looks huge, right? Like how much more expensive does this look than a lot of the biggest movies of the time? Um, yeah. And he made it certainly not on a shoestring. It's a studio movie, but it's not uh, a tent pole, right? Um, yeah. Great cast. Uh, maybe not as much in the, like, it's not the, the like acting chops cast, that you get in yeah, Alien, right? right? But it's like these great character actors and it's great like working actors. Michael Bean, of course. Um, I gotta shout out Paul Reiser as like the ultimate scumbag. Oh, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's awesome. Fucking perfect as the sleaziest dude in the galaxy. I love the I was I made a note of it. The the uh the suit design. Like they're just wearing normal suits <laughs> with the collar popped up. Yeah. I love that. Feels futuristic to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Bill Paxton, a controversial figure. Not not as an actor, a, a much-loved guy, rest in peace. But uh, his character in this is one that I will say that Kenda, I think, came very close to hating him. Really? Yeah. That's um, surprising. I love him in this movie. I don't think she crossed that line. I think she she, she got very, very close. And this is what I'll say, and we'll talk about this, I think, right after we come back. But I will just I will close that thought with I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that we watched the extended version of Aliens. Oh, OK. Yeah, I almost yeah. watched the extended version. I'm glad I didn't, because between taking notes and like having to mm-hmm. pause the movie to like take care like my son just not yeah. sleeping and just walking out of his room, I would have been up till like past midnight just mm. watching this one movie <laughs> i can get into the into some of the nitty-gritty as we go through the yeah plot. let's go as we go on and, yeah yeah and i'll call out some of the extra scenes when they pop up um but i'll say this as my closing thought skip it folks watch the theatrical cool okay good to know yeah absolutely good if you haven't watched this in a while or you've never seen it watch the theatrical version. i'm still so torn about what to do with alien 3 i think i'm just going i'm going to do all right now i'm gonna say it here Okay. I'm going to watch and take notes on the theatrical cut if okay. I have time, uh-huh. which I don't think I will. But if I have time, I'll try to watch the the directors or the assembly, the assembly cut, whatever cut. it's called. I will watch the assembly cut and the assembly cut only because I am familiar enough with the theatrical that I will be able to cool. parse the two. Yeah. Uh, was that all you had for this this bit? For now, I mean, I could do another 30 minutes if you want me to, but I feel like we should maybe talk about the movie. Yeah, let's talk about the movie so we can do a, a I mean, third we segment have this, been this time around. The movie, but you know, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the plot of the movie. Oh. Let's check down. The new she walked into the room, and then she looked <laughs> over, and then yeah, man, I was thinking we talked about <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain. We we're like, yeah, are this aliens getting more downloads than we're than we normally get? At least for like the first mm. week, a, a, an, a, an episode drops, right? Really wish we could pin these later episodes to <laughs> because Return of the Living Dead, you know, uh-huh. I'm very proud of the work we did. 
mm-hmm. but we hadn't really ironed out some of the kinks that we, you know, have have since been ironed out. Yeah. And the amount of recap, I think I just like fucking did whole scenes verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> At least I mean, did I think the, the first time. The first episode, I think, is just 90 minutes of mm-hmm. pretty much. I think we talked for five minutes at the top about the movie and five minutes at the end with the superlatives. And then other than that, it's just 90 minutes of recap. Yeah. And th- we also recorded before that we, we didn't release this. We recorded an episode where we did parts one and two. Oh yeah. In the same episode. <laughs> and that was like three hours and 40 minutes long. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Yeah. We spared you. We had shitty yeah. mics too. Oh, it was, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. All right. How far we've come. All right. Let's take a break and we'll get back to this movie uh, after the break in which you will hear of spiraling. You hear an ad. We've really worked out the kinks. Love you. Okay, we kind of pick up where we left off last time, sort of. Ripley's ship is floating through space. Everything inside's like covered in frost. And she looks approximately seven years older now. <laughs> approximately. <laughs> Different hair. Um, she's getting intercepted by a larger ship. She's in stasis, by the way, during all of this. They, yeah, uh, they hypersleep. Hypersleep. They cut their way in. A little robot thing scans a room, then dudes with flashlights come in. They find Ripley in her hypersleep pod. Jones, too, the cat, he's still there. And then there's a cool dissolve from like a profile of her face to the Earth, like in orbit. Mm -hmm. Looks rad. They're at a space station, looks very cool. Ripley's in the hospital, just waking up. And we meet Burke, Paul Reiser, the aforementioned Paul Reiser. With the aforementioned flipped up collar. Yeah, the flipped up collar looking cool as shit. Uh, he works for the company. It was Wayland Yutani. What is it? Yeah, Wayland Yutani. Yutani. Which is, was, was not, I think we saw Wayland at one point, or I think it's Wayland, yeah. the alien. Um, and this is the birth of the official name of the company, which will be consistent throughout the rest of the franchise. Hey, I work for the company. Don't let that fool you. I'm really an okay guy. Yeah, right, you scumbag. <laughs> He's the one who has to break it to her that she was out floating through space for 57 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's that sucks. Uh nobody told her. Um luckily a salvage team floater floater <laughs> found her floating through space. Um otherwise he's like, you know, it was a, a one in a thousand chance of even finding you. Otherwise, she'd just be sailing on for eternity. And then all of a sudden, Joan, Jones hisses and runs off. She starts having some sort of convulsion episode, starts freaking out, pulls up her shirt, and aliens pushing uh, like on her skin on her stomach. Boom, wakes up. It's just a dream. Mm. I think they do a pretty good job with uh, acknowledging and showing Ripley's PTSD, especially in this early part of the movie. Yeah, and it's a big, it's a big theme. I mean, it's it's... So, you know, credit to James Cameron. Again, we talk about, like, maybe there's not so much artistry in certain places. And this is another thing where I feel like the the dialogue, that element of the script, I think is stronger in Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm sure some a lot of credit maybe are Dan O'Bannon is a guy we love. Um, but I think that Cameron's bigger ideas are very well realized here. Yeah. Um, 
you know, starting with Ripley's PTSD, and that won't be the last, um, you know, military theme in this movie. Yeah. Um. So then uh, later she's kind of at a board meeting where they're interviewing her about what happened. Nobody's really buying her story. They're pissed that she trashed the ship. It was like $41 million ship or something. Um, And there's no evidence of the creature. It's good because I blew it out the goddamn airlock. <laughs> One guy in the meeting is like sleeping, which I thought was a funny <laughs> yeah. touch. Yeah. Um, so then she's, she warns him that Kane, when he was on the planet, saw thousands of eggs in that derelict spaceship. On yeah. LV426, it gets name-checked here. I don't think they mention it in the first one. Maybe they do. Yeah, if they do, they don't spend much time on it. Yeah. Um, and one of the guys like, hey, well, we don't have to worry because that planet's in the process of being terraformed. And it's already colonized. So we have people there for the past 20 years. Yeah. So I'll stop you here. Is that what you're... Is that the end of the uh, boardroom yep. scene? Yep. Yeah. So I would say, man, fully half... Of the uh, added material, it has is now is is basically in this part of the movie. Oh, really? Um, yes. Um, so one scene we've already passed, um, which is between Ripley meeting Burke, having her nightmare, and then this boardroom scene, we get another Ripley and Burke scene where uh, Ripley's asking about news of her daughter, and mm. Burke then has to reveal that she died. At the age of 66, two years previously. Oh, Jesus. And I will say that of all of the extra material in the movie, this is the part that works the best. Okay. Um, And famously, Sigourney Weaver was furiously pissed at the screening when she found out that they had taken this scene out. Because she felt like it was a huge structural support for her her basically her whole story her journey in this movie dude yeah i mean that makes perfect sense yeah 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 so the relationship that she'll go on to develop with newt mm-hmm. you know knowing all of this i think gooses all of that a wow little bit. why did they cut that i wonder uh i mean one reason i mean they're cutting a lot of stuff for time right like the extended version of this movie is two thirty, two hours and 34 minutes mm-hmm. right and i think the biggest re- there there's a couple reasons why i say people should skip it and the biggest is probably that it's it, the movie is too long uh, mm-hmm. with the extended stuff. I think it verges on being it is as long as it possibly can withstand at its current length in the theatrical version. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it moves fast enough that I don't think it's a big problem. But there's some stuff that drags on. But yeah, this is a scene that felt like they maybe should have kept. Yeah, um, seriously. Then additionally, this hearing sequence is extended. Um, there's some extra stuff. She does great work in this scene. Um, and and the added stuff, she's acting her ass off. It's very impressive. But it's just basically more of her raging against the board. Uh, she has a longer confrontation with the board leader uh, at the end of the scene. And some just some added information about her license. And she has to go through psychiatric testing. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. It's just extra detail. Um and then, correct me if I'm wrong, but the next scene, what what is the beginning of the next scene in your notes? It's like uh, her sitting in a room kind of staring off with a cigarette burning down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I will be very brief because what I'm about to describe is maybe eight minutes of added material. Wow. Um, yes. But I'll, I will just give you the, the synopsis and that is all. So we meet 
We go to LV-426. We see the colony. We meet, we see probably 30 people working uh, in like a command center. We see vehicles rolling around. We meet an administrator. He talks with an employee. We find out that a prospecting team has been sent out to survey a specific part of the planet on orders from the company. Okay. And there's an exchange about, hey, don't ask, you know, we don't ask questions. We just do what the company wants, right? Uh, we see some kids running around. We see more Wayland yutani stuff. Then we cut to another scene, which is Newt and her brother and her parents in a tractor going wow. over the surface of LV-426 encountering the derelict ship from the first film um her parents gear up and get out and go inside the ship we don't see inside the ship we basically have them leaving the tractor time passes it becomes night and then we cut to her mother bursting back into the tractor screaming calling for help on the radio and we see newt's father lying on the ground outside the tractor with a face hugger wrapped around his head wow I can see yes. why they cut that. I think that's a smart move to cut that because it's just cooler to go to a, an abandoned colony. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I think all of this takes away from, from, from that, which is just that kind of hard cut to there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, additionally, the scene that you're about to roll out has some extra crap in it, but none of it's really particularly important, but all of this, I mean, there's like 10 extra minutes up to this point in the movie. Wow. Yeah. yeah so she's in her quarters. Uh, Bert Brink comes in with another guy who's a Marine. Um, and he explains that they lost contact with the colony. So that makes sense of the scene yeah. you just described. Uh, and they want her to go back there. And she'll be going with a group of space Marines. If she does it, they'll reinstate her as an officer. And uh, she says no. And then he mm-hmm. leaves her his little plastic card, which I thought was very cool. <laughs> and then... um. It's like see-through. Then she wakes up in a cold a cold sweat, sticks the card into this monitor, which links her to a video chat with him. He's there shirtless, looking sexy as hell. Paul Reiser. <laughs> Little curls. <laughs> Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them? That's the plan. You have our word on it. All right, I'm in. So then they're on the spaceship, uh, the cruising pods. The pods open. We get some Sigourney Weaver side bush, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't notice. Yeah, there's a little bit of <laughs> little peakage there, I think. Oh, well, <laughs> Sorry, <fun>. guys. <laughs> Sorry. You know, this is why you come uh, to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. There's also, uh, there's some extended shots here that are just extra tracking shots that are of very similar to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's actually, it's it's a dissolve from the curls on Paul Reiser's head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's brilliant filmmaking really it really is yeah <laughs> so it's like it's like the opening of alien where it's like that long tracking shot over there yeah it's just more deserted interiors of the ship and that sort of stuff and they re it, they reuse i didn't get a chance to talk about this last week uh jerry goldsmith's score from the first movie mm. uh i meant to shout out there are these great little almost like playful kind of key parts mm-hmm. um in in Jerry Goldsmith's score, which I don't know if they're actually in the theatrical cut of this movie, which was scored by James Horner, um, but it pops up here in this deleted scene, and I really I I got I went ooh I love it. 
Yeah, that's the cool thing about watching these movies like back to back is you pick up on these little Easter eggs that like maybe, mm-hmm. would, you know, if I would have, you know, I watched these movies months apart, I wouldn't have. Right. Uh, so then the the crew starts waking up. Uh, we start to meet them. We got Drake. They ain't paying us enough for this. And Vasquez, not enough to wake up to your face, Drake. Uh, Vasquez, played by Judy Goldsmith. That's your name? No. Oh, that's isn't that comedian? Isn't that? That's a good. That's a good try. Uh, I think you <laughs> maybe Jerry Goldsmith, right? He's a he's, he's it's Jeanette Goldstein. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you got her initials right. <laughs> Judy Goldsmith. Who is she? She's a. Uh, now she's a computer scientist. I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I got that. <laughs> she's a figment of your imagination. I think. I honestly think we're talking about Horner, uh, Jerry Goldsmith. He's he's the uh, composer of the first movie. Oh, that's probably so yeah. You, you're right. You just that's, turned that's his, his first name into Judy. <laughs> Are you smelling uh, toast right now? <laughs> always, because I'm always making toast. Uh, they're at dinner, eating food, being real pigs. I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind getting some more of that Octurian poontang. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. I really do want to know more. Um, <laughs> we meet Lance Hendrickson as Bishop. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I should. I guess I can run down their names. We got Paxton is Hudson. Michael yep. Bean is Hicks. Uh, yep. Vasquez. We got Drake. Uh, the captain drake's the redheaded guy right drake's like blonde or redhead yeah yeah he's like a scar in his face he's Uh, he pops up in a bunch of action movies we got the cigar chewing like i don't know apone the the commander who was a real vietnam vet and was the guy who led the um the boot camp that's cool that makes sense he feels like a real military guy yeah. And then we get some others. Uh, I'm, I'm probably missing some people that are key to the movie, yeah. but we get some other like just bodies, really. Nobody important. Yeah, you've got Vierzbowski. I remember his name. Mm. Uh, you get all of their last names at least once because uh, they all have cool head cameras in the coming scene. Yeah, uh, I love that. I love the head cameras. Yeah. Uh, so then we meet Ripley, who is this ship's uh, synthetic in the Bishop. android. Yeah. What's up? You mean Bishop? What did I say? Ripley. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, Bishop. That's funny. I was looking at the word Bishop, but I said Ripley. I continue to smell toast. It's very strong. <laughs> um, He does like mumbledy peg with Bill Paxton's hand where he does like the knife between the fingers. He goes yeah. super fast. Bill Paxton's screaming. It's, it's a very cool scene. Um, And I think it's done really well because I think... It, from what I can tell, I think at some point they use some sort of practical in-camera effect because it's like the knife stuff is sped up, right? Mm-hmm. But like Bill Paxton is like screaming in like, so I don't know if they had him like talking half speed. Oh, maybe, or, yeah. Or how they do it. Um, But it like, even though it is just sped up camera footage, it feels pretty real. And this is a scene that always stuck with me, you know, as a kid when I first saw this movie. You know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ripley freaks out. You never said anything about an android. Um, he prefers to be referred to as a synthetic person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he explains to her, like, there's nothing to worry about. I don't know that, you know, uh, what's his face? A- Ash from the Ash, last movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was an older, an older generation. And uh, they have behavioral in- inhibitors. So, you know, you don't need to worry. And Ripley's still very rude to him. I felt bad for Bishop. 
Yeah. Well, and this is starting a theme that will uh, continue for uh, at least becomes like a really big central theme in Ridley Scott's later prequels. Yeah. Which is essentially like dealing with, you know, larger themes of racism and human rights, uh, discrimination and that sort of stuff. But just channeled through the plight of androids, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is also, you know, I think it kind of edges into that Blade Runner territory also. Totally. Um, yeah. So it's interesting stuff. Uh, they gather, get the rundown from Lieutenant Gorman, who's like a newbie lieutenant who's leading there. N- nobody really has much confidence in him. Yeah. Uh, and then I think this might be the first time we name the alien as a xenomorph. It is the first and only time. Really? Yeah. My understanding is that this is the only time in a canonical alien movie that anyone says the word xenomorph. That's cool. That's like in Dawn of the Dead. Romero only says zombie. They Well, Peter says yeah. it. They say zombie once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so she tells him, oh, yeah, he makes Ripley just tell her what, tell everybody what she knows. So we get a a recap of the first movie. Like they took out my whole crew in 24 hours. Um, they make an illegal alien joke about Vesquez, which now knowing that she is not a, 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 a Latina a Latinx woman uh, <laughs> makes it even weirder. <laughs> yeah, she is not. Uh, the kindest thing we can say is that she has some Brazilian heritage, but she's very clearly <laughs> playing like, you know, North American Latina. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> we might touch on that again later. I'm sure we will. They're loading up the uh, like the ship, the landing ship with these cool ass mech loaders Ripley says hey you know I can drive one of those and um, gets in I love the tech on these things it's just like very functional feels like mm-hmm. the inside of a tractor yeah and not like you know some cool space age thing it's just like no this is just for moving boxes so it doesn't need to be fancy yeah, yeah. before we move on too far I just want to say to cover my own ass I now have zero confidence in the in in the claim that Xenomorph doesn't get said again. <laughs> I can't actually prove it, but I thought about it somewhere, and I'm like, that may be a fact that I made up. So don't quote me on it. It's definitely the first time, though. You heard it here, folks. Quote him on it. Let's drag this guy through the mud. <laughs> God damn it. Well, we made it 54 episodes before <laughs> This I is canceled. what cancels you. <laughs> Uh, everybody's impressed by her scales. They're loading up all those cool fucking guns. Vasquez, I wrote, is sexy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I texted Price on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is crazy. Uh, I uh-huh. texted Price my pervy thoughts on Vasquez. Yeah. Um, and then I'm watching Lethal Weapon 2. He's watching Lethal Weapon 2, sends me a clip from that movie of the person on the diving board who gets blown up. And he's like, who do you think this is? And uh, I recognize parts of her. <laughs> and I was like, hey, that's Vasquez. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we were watching uh, watching at the same time. I thought that was, that was funny. Yeah. Stark it- contrast in skin color. Yeah. <laughs> Curiously. Yeah. And what does she do now? 
she is now the owner of a uh, boutique uh, a lingerie store in 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 Greater Los Angeles that specializes in uh, bras for well endowed uh, people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, she's. I believe the catchphrase. I don't remember the name of the bra store, but the catchphrase is where the alphabet starts at D. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, she has a pretty good episode of. Uh, I was there too, Matt Gorley's yeah. podcast, where he interviews people who had small parts in big movies. Yeah, I thought we had agreed that we would not mention yeah. Matt Gorley. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's a good point. <laughs> they, yeah, they're doing the, they're doing this series at the same time, huh? huh well, yeah. Okay. What series? What? Who's uh, doing I don't know. What? Yeah, who, who knows. Um, so they're loading up the guns. They pile into the drop ship. Uh, Bill Paxton, run express elevator to hell, going down. Yeah, um, that's a great line. In the extended cut, he then has an extra ninety seconds of just kind of ranting. Uh, wow. Okay, so that's why Canada doesn't like him. And that's like, yeah. You do get the sense that he's improvising, mm-hmm. um, because he just seems good at that. He does the same thing yeah. in like True Lies. Um and yeah, you got to cut that shit down. You know, like that's uh, that's that's funny, mm-hmm. but you can't have yeah. ninety seconds unbroken it's of him riffing. Just a little too much of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's where they question Gorman about like, yeah, so how many drops is this for you? Thirty-eight simulated. How <laughs> many battle scenarios? Two, including this one. <laughs> they got those cool helmets on. Hicks is asleep. <laughs> still going through like turbulence uh and then we see those like atmosphere processors that they're terraforming the mm-hmm. planet with they land and pull up to the colony go inside it's completely empty the ceiling's damaged uh they switch on their motion trackers which is like attached to their guns those guns must have been so heavy to cart around I imagine they were. So an interesting piece of information, all of the guns in this movie are real guns that are modified with all sorts of, you know, just sort of uh, design stuff. Um, So they all fire real blanks and underneath are actual military weaponry. Wow. Yeah. Um, Ripley notices because she's watching, she's watching on a, a monitor like, hey, what's that? There's acid burns in the ground. And then um, Bill Paxton's character finds a giant hole in the ground, um, which is, uh, you know, burned through. He spits down into it. <clears throat> and then something runs across. There's some movement on the tracker. Something runs across the hallway. Drake starts shooting. They're like, hey, hey hold your fire. And they look to see where it is. And it's Newt. We meet Newt, Rebecca. She bites a dude's hand and like, cr- like tries to grab her and runs off. Ripley follows her through the air ducts and finds her little little like hidey hole where she's been living for the past few months. It's full of trash. And then, uh, Ripley wrestles her until she calms down. Later, Gorman's trying to interview her. She's totally mute at this point. Newt is mute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ripley gives her some hot chocolate and then like drips some down, wipes her, like wipes her face off. Mm. Uh Oh, I made a little clean spot here. Now I've done it. <laughs> I love her. It's a great it. exchange. Yeah, it is. I mean, 
I, I, this is as good a point as any to stop and just say that, like, you know, we talked about how in the first movie, Sigourney Weaver is almost like the surprise protagonist, right? Uh, it's much more of an ensemble. This movie is Sigourney Weaver's to carry, and she absolutely knocks it out of the park. Oh, yeah. Like, she is she is a true movie star, and also just, like, her line reads on everything are so good. I mean, this is... One of the things that I was thinking as I was watching this movie is, like, with a lot... With so much of the what they try to pull off here... I think if you if this is this is like a, a happy act. It's not a happy accident, but it's it's a fucking high wire act. Mm-hmm. Like James Cameron and Sigourney Weaver, basically, with like they both have to so wildly overachieve to make this not feel ridiculous. Yeah, and and they do. They pull it off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they're interviewing her. Newt, my name's Newt. Nobody calls me Rebecca. She explains that her whole family's dead. <clears throat> in the meanwhile, Hudson and Burke are scanning like the colon the colonizers have these chips implanted in them, so they should be able to they should be showing up on the tracker. Uh Bishop's checking out a dead face hugger, and then Hudson's like, Yo, stop your grinning and drop your linen. <laughs> <laughs> he found them. All all of the colonists are in a processing station. So they're like, okay, they must be hiding out there. They head over. They get there. Ripley and Gorman are watching over the monitors again. And uh, there's some interference with the cameras. Gorman's giving them instructions. The interior starts to look like like that derelict ship. Like that inside. Mm -hmm. It looks like, basically looks like a a xenomorph's rib cage or something. Yeah, this very uh, bio-organic kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. Things... And I will say that uh, they kind of cribbed an idea from the first one, and they did have three different set designers working on uh, the Sulaco, the spaceship, uh, the colony itself, and then this, like the what we're going to find to be uh, is, in essence, the alien hive. Um, and I think that it, it still yields good results. I don't think it's quite as effective as, again, I, I, I would give the nod to the set design in alien over this movie, but yeah, uh, but it's still well done in that they do feel, you feel that change happen. Mm-hmm. There's like goo dripping from the ceiling. It's gross. <laughs> um, and so Ripley notices <laughs> what's that. That's what, that's what I think is gross. Goo. <laughs> no, I was going to say like, well, I mean, that's what your basement's like. So. Yeah, it's just dripping with, well, that's my own goo. It's not weird when yeah. it's my goo. <laughs> it's it's dark and damp and there's goo <laughs> dripping from the ceiling. Um Ripley notices like hey, they're right next to the like the fusion reactor. Mm-hmm. If those armor piercing bullets penetrate that, this is going to be a thermonuclear explosion. So Gorman gives them the order that they have to turn in their ammo. Yeah. Uh, so they they hand it over. What are we supposed to use? Harsh language? It's a good laugh line. It is a good laugh line, yeah. Luckily, Hicks has a shotgun. A normal, like, yeah. a, like a sawed-off shotgun. And we get the... Don't we also get the moment of Vasquez has... She has two mags that she's hidden. Yes, and yes, she, she does. And she hands one off to... Uh, who's her, her buddy? Drake. Drake. Right? Uh, and you know, not to be this guy, but uh, this this always bumped me. This scene for as long as I can remember, because it's like 
Gorman just says, uh, you guys can't fire live rounds there. Everyone has to give up their ammunition. And I would be like, I would probably tell Apo tell him why. why. Yeah, that's yeah. a good, good call. And then he can deliver that information to Vasquez, who could be like, okay, I won't reload my gun because I don't want to die in a thermonuclear explosion. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, so then they find all of the colonists like cocooned. Um, and there are opened face hugger eggs all around, and even some like skeletal face huggers, which is looks mm-hmm. cool and creepy. Yeah. Uh, and then one of the women raises her head, her eyes pop open. Please kill me. And then she starts convulsing. A chest burster pops out. They flamethrower it. Then something in the ceiling starts moving. Like on their, their trackers start going nuts. It's a fucking bunch of xenomorphs. Like all just crawling through the ceilings. Well, but I mean, and at first they're just, I mean, and this is a motif that returns multiple times in the movie. At first it's just a bunch of motion on the motion tracker and no yeah. one can figure out where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did say their motion trackers go nuts, but yeah, they can't figure out if it's below them or above them. Yeah, and it is above them in the ceilings. Um, <clears throat> Ripley tells Gorman, like, you got to get everybody out. Hicks or Hudson starts freaking out, which he kind of continues to do for the rest of the movie. <laughs> uh, they don't even show up on the infrared that they have. Uh, so then Corporal Pharaoh gets nabbed. And while she's doing like, is she's like a, a female officer. She gets pulled from behind by a xenomorph that appears behind her. She accidentally shoots her flamethrower, which torches another guy. He falls over a railing and just like down to his death. Yeah. The bag of ammo blows. Crow, like another guy named Crow is killed. Vasquez starts shooting up the place. They're coming yeah. out of the goddamn walls. Apone is Apone? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. Apone is killed. It's total fucking chaos in there. Ripley gets into the driver's seat of the transporter, races to their rescue. Yeah, slams this, through a wall. Yeah, go ahead. She has a confrontation with Gorman. Yeah, right? Gorman's like a like, chicken shit. Yeah, he's just completely freezing. He's like mumbling into the mic. He's commanding this whole operation. Yeah. And just absolutely shitting the bed. And I think it's really interesting because this is a this is a scene that gets played again almost beat for beat in Predator 2. Oh, yeah, uh, sure. With Danny Glover. Uh, and it's what is it? Adam Baldwin, I think, is the guy. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> right? I can't like running one, the yeah. operation from the the van while Gary Busey and his team are getting shredded by the Predator. But anyways, um, I think this is a great scene, and it's also it's actually super important because like this is more than anything, I think, the scene that is most, uh, you know, directly like indicative of the essentially the Vietnam uh theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That like Cameron weaves into this whole thing, right? It's it's pretty literal. Like we talked about Vietnam influences on a Texas Chainsaw Massacre and how that was, you know, more of a like a sort of despondence and like a death of innocence kind of thing. And this is a little more on the nose, but I think it still really works very well. Where we're essentially getting introduced now to we have our Marine Force that is like overarmed. Uh, and, but they are completely overmatched. Yeah. Right. And they're in a foreign, they're in, they're, they're basically in a foreign environment that they don't understand. 
And uh, despite all of their guns and their numbers, they're just getting absolutely. Yeah, the xenomorphs are essentially doing guerrilla warfare on them. Yeah, yeah. And and I very deliberately Gorman is like sort of representative of this idea of the mismanagement of the forces. Mm -hmm. Right. And just like this complete failure to understand what they were up against. Um, So Ripley slams through the wall. opens the door the remaining marines pile in drake gets sprayed with alien blood um and he just like starts he's like writhing in pain that might be the end of him actually uh but doesn't matter uh hicks is trying to close the door an alien sticks its face in eat this and shoots it point blank with a shotgun but the blood gets on hudson's arm he starts screaming because the acid blood i should have said earlier the they have acid for blood uh, Ripley gets him out of there. <laughs> Gorman just gets knocked out by some like falling <laughs> luggage or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, then an alien punches through the windshield. Ripley, who's driving, slams it, slams it in reverse. It falls off the front. She runs over it. Yeah. Hudson notices uh, a couple of Marines aren't dead, but Ripley's like, you know, they're going to be dead. We got to leave them. Yeah. Um, and she wants to take off and just nuke the whole place. But Burke, Paul Reiser, is like, no, we, we can't do that. What about the cost? It's a, it's, there's a lot of money here. We can't do that. <laughs> um, it's a, it, it, he pulls out some like bullshit rationale. It's like, I mean, what gives us the right to exterminate yeah. a whole species? <laughs> <laughs> um. So then Ripley points out, it's like, hey, Gorman's, Gorman's, uh, you know, Apone's gone. Gorman's knocked out. Hicks, you're technically in charge here. Yeah. Uh, and then he decides, like, yeah, we, I want to take off and then nuke the site from orbit. Um, <laughs> then we meet Spunkmeyer. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> Isn't that a cookie guy? Yeah, Otis, Otis Spunkmeyer. Spunk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't really want my baked goods made by somebody with a spunk in their name. <laughs> I'm called the old fashioned here, but I don't really want a guy who's making my cookies with a, a euphemism for cum in his name. I'll take, I'll take my cookies with a little less cookie. Thank you. <laughs> oh, these cookies come pre ookied. Oh, <laughs> uh, spunk fire runs into a drop ship. To pick them up, he touches some goo. Here we go. We're back to Spunk Planet. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? And he's like, "Hey, this is I didn't leave this here. Uh, this they- is somebody else's goo." <laughs> <laughs> Am I in Eric's basement, dripping from the ceilings <laughs> over here? Uh, there's a pilot. She takes off. You know, in that drop ship, and then something. The door opens. Somebody comes in behind her. It's a xenomorph. She gets pulled off, like pulled away from her seat. Blood splatters mm-hmm. the windshields. A really cool shot. Yeah. The ship crashes, comes tumbling at her heroes who are waiting for it to pick them up. Yeah. They have to get out of the way. Cool. This- classic Cameron. Yeah. It's really good stuff. I will say that 
it's it's one of those examples of very well done like rear projection effects that suffer a little bit in the HD era. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there uh, are some, like the drop shit stuff shit, the drop shit stuff. The drop yeah. ship stuff doesn't look great. Yeah. When it's like you know flying what? through the air. Yeah, but you know what does look great is the they call it the vehicle is called an APC, they mm-hmm. the armored personnel carrier. Which, by the way, was built on top of a real airplane tug truck. Oh, um, which you can Google that and see what they actually look like. But they're the yeah, things Go- that pull Google like tug truck. You'll find a <laughs> porn series from the early aughts. <laughs> it was specific, it was like niche niche marketing for people in rural areas. Well, I thought. Hey there, cowpoke. How about you come into my tug truck? <laughs> Get into the tug truck. Unfortunately, no mouth stuff, no sex. It's all <laughs> just, just hands. It's, it's just hands. <laughs> uh, can I touch you? No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyways, what I was going to say is that like nine, like all of the surface stuff, right? So everything with that truck driving over the surface all the colony all of that it's all scale miniatures um oh yeah yeah and it all looks great and it's like they're big fucking miniatures like uh i want to say i i read somewhere that like the set that they're shooting on like at miniature scale is like 40 feet long uh really? and like somebody designed that whole fucking thing and yeah and it looks That's really cool brilliant man the people yeah the people are so much smarter than me <laughs> <laughs> i can't fi- i wouldn't be able to figure that out well the thing you gotta remember is that you know everybody's got their special something i right? don't know what mine is <laughs> we're doing it right now oh no this is it <laughs> no no <laughs> um, <laughs> we get uh paxton's famous famous line probably well second most famous line of the movie i'd say game over man it's game over which i think he did improvise yes yeah yeah apparently he'd been playing a lot of uh video uh his his idea was that he explained to james cameron was that he thinks because it's the future that Hudson would have done a lot of like war simulators. Mm. So he would have done a lot of like war games in, in like a video game form. And so that's game over. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so they regroup. They see how much ammo they have left. Uh, Hicks lets it drop that they have 17 days. You know, they're like, well, how long if we don't report back to the ship do we have before they start looking for us? It's 17 <laughs> days. There's yeah. no way they're going to make that work. Yeah, I believe Hudson says we're not going to make it 17 hours. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ripley points out that, hey, you know, Newt, su- Newt survived with way less for months. And then she, she starts giving orders. She wants blueprints of the ship or of the, uh, you know, the colony. Sends Hudson off to get those. They're looking at those blueprints. She comes off. She comes up with a plan to basically seal the tunnels uh, and do some other shit, <laughs> which I did. I just wrote, do some shit. Yeah. Great. great. Well, so all, yeah. Good, good work, Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I was going to say, I'll throw out there that, that, that another pretty big chunk of the extended version is added here 
with a lot of business about remote sentry guns. Oh, wow. Um, so that's like a whole part of their plan to seal off part where they're going to where they're going to hole up. So we have a scene of setting the guns up, testing the guns. We have another scene where they're like watching the ammunition count down on the guns. I think some of that. Does any of that make it into the theatrical version? I don't remember. Okay. Maybe a tiny piece of it does, but it's like a lot of sentry gun business. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. It's just like not necessary in something this long. It's kind of not what you need at this point in the movie. Yeah, the movie yeah. is already rolling in terms of its pace and it really won't stop yeah. until it's over. I will say it was around this time where I was like, wait, there's a fucking hour left in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that I was ever bored during it, but right. it, it's, you know. Um, so Hicks gives Ripley a locator bracelet to wear. <laughs> Doesn't mean we're engaged or anything. I'll say I'm not a huge fan of like the love uh, of like the romance they're trying to establish mm-hmm. between Ripley and Hicks. I don't know that it ever really it never really sticks the landing. It never really goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll say you know counterpoint. I don't think that it's supposed to be. I don't think it's supposed to go anywhere. I don't think that it's necessarily even a romance. Like, I think it's there for people to, uh, you can, you can assume that about it if you, if you want to, but really it's just as far, as far as I see it, it's just bonding, mm. you know? Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I'm probably reading too much into it. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you are, you know, very consumed with traditional gender roles. <laughs> I, you did tell me off air that you were upset by the fact that, uh, you know, Ripley shows up all the men in this movie. Though. Yeah, I mean, listen, I just don't think it's realistic. Uh, you know, yeah. if, uh, if, you know, what you didn't see in that Madison Cawthorn video where he punches a tree <laughs> is that it cut then, but actually what I did is I punched the other tree next to him, and then we high-fived. <laughs> <laughs> Not too hard, your hand kind of no. hurt, That's, I imagine. It pissed me off. That's a, clearly a fucking rotten tree. Like I yeah. had, like a, it's like punching a rotten birch tree or something. Like I had those in my backyard, <laughs> and I was seven, and I could do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so then Ripley gives Newt. Uh, she puts Newt to bed. She gives her the bracelet. Yeah, a tracking bracelet. Uh, and then in Med Bay, Ripley deduces that there there has to be over like a hundred face huggers in play, um, laying eggs. She tells Bishop to destroy them. Uh, and then he's like, well, I, I can't. Burke told me not to. And he's <laughs> like, what? So she confronts Burke and he's like, they're worth millions to the bioweapons division, which answers my question from the last movie. He's like, what the fuck do they want with these things? Right. Uh, yeah. Then, mm-hmm. So uh, I was just going to say, it seems like or, there was a scene missing. Yes, there is. Because she's there like, is a scene. she confronts him about these colony logs. And that he sent the colonists and all this stuff. And I was like, did I miss something? Um, but then I, was, then I was like, no, I didn't miss anything. I probably, there was a scene that was cut out. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah. Well, there is a scene that directly precedes this. However, I think her, I, I don't know if her finding out about them being sent ever actually happens on screen. I think okay. that may be something that we're just supposed, like, she, she checked at some point and we're just taking her word for it. Okay. Um, there definitely is more business with her working with like computers and stuff 
in the extended version. So it could also it like it makes it probably makes more sense in that context because we've just seen yeah you know a couple minutes of her like fucking around in the systems and stuff. So then right? we could assume it's oh I saw I saw everything. Yeah. The scene, what we're missing here, one, they added dialogue to the Newt going to bed scene. It's weird. They talk about Newt is like, the aliens like do the same thing that people do when they have babies. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then there's a little bit of talk about Ripley's daughter um, being dead. Uh, But then in the scene where she's talking to Bishop and Vasquez and Hudson about um, where the eggs are coming from, right? which we which we talked about very briefly, there's a little bit of discussion, and I think Bishop closes that scene by just basically saying, well, they're coming from something we haven't seen yet, like very open-ended, right? Uh-huh. Still, I think a little on the nose. Kind of wish it wasn't in there. Uh, because I think if I was... What were you going to say? Well, I said that might be in the version, because I wrote, like, who's laying the egg? Somebody asked that question. Yeah, that's the end of the scene. Okay. Right? He, Bishop says something we haven't seen yet. Which I was saying is like maybe a little too revealing because it's like, oh, what are we going to see? Right. It's, it makes the, the queen to come a little bit less of a surprise. But in the extended version, it goes further where Hudson and Vasquez start to hypothesize that maybe it's like an ant hive, as Hudson says. And Vasquez says it's a beehive. Uh, <laughs> And then Hudson goes on to say that, yeah, like one female runs the whole show. And oh, yeah, that's too much. They're like, yeah, and the ant queen is a lot bigger than the other ants. And I'm like, this is fucking dumb. I'm very glad they cut this out. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So that's what I got. Uh, so then a little bit later, Bishop points out that there's he's been noticing that there's like st- a gas venting from the terraformers. Uh, and basically, they're going to blow in four hours. Yeah, it's so a little macguffin but whatever. It's like, the planet's going to blow up. That's we, like, we got a ticking clock, kind of a yeah. couple ticking clocks going on. Mm-hmm. It's going to nuke the whole place. <clears throat> Ripley suggests like some something where they remote into the other drop ship. Uh, but somebody's going to have to go out there and go get a portable terminal. Bishop volunteers, and he's because he's the only one qualified to remote a ship in and i like this bit he's like i i prefer not to i I may be synthetic but i'm not stupid i like that they give bishop Mm -hmm. like a will to live yeah this is creepy for somebody with i mean i don't have super bad claustrophobia but creep me the fuck out they cut a hole i freaked out too oh it's creepy. it's (laughs) like it's like shawshank they cut a hole in a pipe so bishop can crawl through and we just get this like long pov shot of him like him in the pipe like him looking down the pipe but mm-hmm. also back at him where he's just like yeah. slowly crawling along and it and it really does feel like they like James Cameron was like okay we measure Lance Henriksen what is the smallest yeah. pipe we can put him add in add one more inch yeah <laughs> still fit in and get pulled out of Ugh. it is so tight it freaks the shit out of me and then they seal it back up behind him yeah yeah i'm a little claustrophobic uh, like in in what I feel like are reasonable scenarios, like I'm not claustrophobic in a closet. Yeah, it's same just here. Like, same here. It's like the idea of having to crawl through something that might be smaller than I am and getting stuck. That's terrifying. Is so terrifying to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Hicks promises he'll put Ripley out of her misery if she ever becomes like one of the the colonists. Gives her a gun. 
teaches her how to use it. It's kind of sexy-ish, sexy adjacent. Gorman wakes up. Ripley checks on Newt. She's sleeping under the bed. There's a nice moment where Ripley crawls in under there. Uh, and then she wakes up and she no- she falls asleep. She wakes up. She notices one of the canisters with the face huggers is open. Then a face hugger pops out. They try to call for help, but they're behind soundproof glass, so nobody can hear yeah. them. This scene is, I think, the scariest scene in the movie for me. I think so. I remember every beat of this scene, and like when it started, I was like, "Yeah, I like beat for beat, like all this stuff, like because she reaches up above and the gun's gone, mm-hmm. and it's like so scary because she's like reaching above the bed and you don't know if anything's up there, yeah. and then." Like, yeah, the whole fucking, yeah, all of this freaks the shit out of me. So Burke is in like another room having a conversation and he's facing the direction of the room that Ripley and Newt are in. And he sees Ripley like pounding on the glass, but doesn't say anything because he's a fucking shithead. And so Ripley gets the idea to trigger the sprinkler system with a lighter. Oh, and, and there's the scene where he turns like she starts waving at the camera. The shot oh yeah, and he turns the camera yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, right. he turns off the monitor in the in the and it's just like okay, yeah. So this guy has made his full turn to being completely fucking evil. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, so that she triggers the sprinkler system that gets Hicks' attention. The face hugger jumps on her. There's another one right behind Newt. Uh, Hicks like shoots the window, or he has somebody shoot the window, and he bursts through it, <clears throat> comes to the rescue. Blows away the face hugger. Uh, Ripley's like, hey, Burke fucking did this. Um, and like, kind of knows Burke's plan at this point. It's like, oh, he mm-hmm. locked us in here because right. he wanted those face huggers to impregnate either myself or Newt or both so that right. he can get us through quarantine and bring the, the xenomorphs onto his planet or onto the, mm-hmm. you know, the space station. Right. Um, and she throws out that the only way that that would have worked is he probably was planning on sabotaging the stasis chambers for all of the Marines and killing them. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So then the power goes out. Hudson sees movement on his tracker. So Vasquez seals him in. <clears throat> the aliens are still coming. So actually, this is what we were talking about before. Where the, the is it below us? Is it above right. us? We don't know where they're coming from. They're on top of like they're they sh- we should be seeing them. They get so close. They're like one meter. They're two meters away. They're one meter away. Yeah, and exactly. Hudson's freaking out. And this is this is maybe the most notable. But this movie, I do want to say, the sound design up and down is like so memorable. The sounds of the rifles and mm-hmm. their like weird noise they make, the flamethrowers, and then this tick, tick, tick of the motion yeah. tracker. Oh, it's that, stressful. Like, oh my god, yeah. So Hicks pokes his head up into like the drop ceiling, and then you just see these fucking bad boys coming at him. <laughs> it's a great shot. I think you see three or four. They're like three or four wide. They're crawling upside down. Yeah, inside the ceiling, and it's fucking so scary. All hell breaks loose. Um, Burke runs out of the room, seals the door, locks everybody else in the room. <laughs> One comes below Hudson and drags him down. Yeah, they definitely should have killed Burke. Like, 
I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but Hudson wanted to kill him, and they were like, no. Oh, the, the, the uh, yeah, they should have killed I thought you were going to say, because, yeah, Brick's about to die. Because yeah. uh, the aliens are getting blown away. They're shooting everywhere. Burke, meanwhile, backs up into an alien, turns around. It sticks his, like, second mouth at him. He gets offed. We don't see it. There's not a ton of gore in this movie. No. It's more like no. action movie blood. It has good scares. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, but it's definitely not, like, violent in a, tra- in a traditional horror way. Yeah. Uh, they escape into the vents. Newt leads the way, because this is her domain. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Bishop's called the ship. It'll be six. It's 16 minutes away. We get another ticking clock. Yeah. Uh, Vasquez blows an alien away at point blank range, gets acid dripped on her leg. Gorman, like they're in the vents. Gorman tries to pull her out. Everybody's. He he finally makes a hero turn and comes back for her. Exactly. Yeah. He makes a hero turn, grabs her, but it's their situation is hopeless. Everybody else has gotten away. Aliens are coming at her from all sides. So I always love this move. It pulls mm-hmm. out a grenade. <clears throat> and uh, Vasquez is like, you're always an asshole, Gorman. Blows it just as the aliens are on top of him, sacrificing himself and Vasquez yeah. to kill some aliens. And I think there's, there's um, uh, to me, like a really awesome emotional note to this moment, which is like, so Gorman's holding the grenade. He presses it down. And then Vasquez grabs his fist with her fist, with both of her fists. Uh-huh. And so they're like, the two of them are like clutching it together. And it's kind of like, yeah, uh, that, that sort of like, well, I have to die. I'm dying with somebody. And that like brief moment of like sort of togetherness. Yeah, it totally redeems Gorman. Um, yeah. It's, it's great. I looked him up. He looks so familiar. I couldn't find anything else, though, that I recognized him from. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he's done much of anything. But he yeah. has a face. He has a face that like, oh, I've seen that guy before. But yeah, I, but well, he's an well, older man. I think he's well cast because he's like he basically just feels really like he feels like a rookie. You know, that's like his whole thing. Yeah, right. But he like, has he's like just a, a big wet behind face. the ears to it's like guy. Kind of interesting. Well, I believe he was originally cast as Hudson. Oh, okay. Um, and then Cameron decided that they wanted to go more like funny with Hudson. So they cast Paxton in that role and then but gave the Gorman part. To I think guy. that's good. I mean, like if I were if I were him, I'd be psyched to be in the Gorman role over the Paxton role. <coughs> Seems yeah. like there's just a little more meat. Um <laughs> so Ripley loses Newt down a vent, um, and Newt oh, ends up Oh, in- did we miss Hudson? Dying? No, I said the an alien grabbed him from below and pulled him under. Oh, okay. Maybe it was just sort of unceremonious. Rest in peace, Hudson and real Bill Paxton. But yeah, I, his death always like resonated with me too because the getting he kind of gets pulled below into the nothingness and it's yeah. like very very it's depressing and scary. It is. Yeah. It sucks because you're like rooting for him because he's a coward through the whole movie. He's like, <laughs> he's, like, he's, like a, he's a coward who delivers. You know what I mean? He's like complaining yeah, the whole time. Right, he's not a coward who uh, fucks anybody over. Like right. he does his job, but he sh- never shuts up about it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um. So Ripley loses Newtown events. She ends up in like this flooded sewer area, and uh, they find Newt like under the grating. They can see her, but they have to cut through with their like gun torches, which is a cool. I love that move. Mm-hmm. That like that gun attachment. That's like a yeah. an arc welder is pretty cool. 
<clears throat> then aliens are closing closing in on them. One rises up behind Newt, snatches her. It's a great shot. It's a great uh, shot, like kind of like a slow mo shot, right? Yeah. Prompts the question I have: What do you think about the aliens' design in this movie versus the first one? Oh, I'm glad you said this. Uh, not as impressed with the alien design in this movie as I was in the first one. I think they look yeah. more costumey than than the first one. Where yeah, they're more functional. It feels more functional in this one. That's very deliberate. Yeah, that's what they are. Is they basically made them so that they could run around. Yeah. Um. And yeah, in the first one, it's much more unwieldy, but it also feels much more alien. You know? Yes. Yeah, these feel more like rubber suits than the other one does. Definitely. I think another cool thing about this and the way they pulled this off is I believe, and I might be wrong on the number, but I think there were 10 suits uh, for the whole movie. Oh, wow. And so, you know, he he does such a good job of making it seem like there are just hundreds and hundreds of Yes, totally. But... um, but yeah, I think you know. I don't think you ever see more than like seven in an actual single shot. No, no, yeah. Uh, but like the tracker does a good job with that because you see their dots. Yeah. You're like, oh, they're everywhere, but you only see a right. few of them. Yeah, it's a great device. It's I mean, honestly, it's fucking brilliant. Uh, so Hicks and Ripley get into an elevator to like try to get Newt. He ends up getting sprayed with some acid. He's all fucked oh, up. Right. In his chest plate. That's, I mean, that's just another great visual, like the acid burning through his chest plate. Yeah, they have to get it off real quick. Yeah. Um, The drop ship arrives, and then, you know, she puts Hudson on, or yeah, no, Hicks on, and uh, but she's going to go back for Newt. She has 15 minutes before the place blows. Yeah, they, um, they're going to, because what they have to go back over to the processing plant, right? Yeah. Um, Because presumably that's where Newt's going. So they head over that way and we do get this cool like Ash Evil Dead 2 kind of like gearing up, right? Where she does that on the ship before she goes Mm -hmm. to get Newt. Um, Which I always enjoyed that and I was like, wait, I know that that's like a Rambo thing, but also I feel like, I don't know, maybe that scene in Evil Dead 2 where he's like really getting all geared up with his, you know, chainsaw arm and the shotgun and everything. It's like, maybe it took a little bit from this too. Yeah, maybe. Cause it is cool. It's very, it's very practical. She's like taping. She's just taping a flamethrower to a gun. Mm-hmm. Basically. That's all. She's just like duct taping them together. But I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. You know, if you got <laughs> nothing else to do. Um, yeah. Um, so she takes that flamethrower gun and follows Newt's tracking bracelet. <clears throat> Down into the hive. Uh, and then she finds the, the bracelet on the ground. But no Newt. Newt wakes up in a cocoon and starts screaming just as an egg starts hatching. Ripley hears it, blows away some xenomorphs, uh, fights her way into the hive with Newt, and then grabs Newt, realizes there are eggs everywhere. And we see who's laying these eggs. From a big, distended, bloated backside. It's the queen, baby. All hail the queen. The queen design. Solid. 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 This queen design is yeah. fucking cool. Uh, yeah. I remember having Especially this that toy. egg sack. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking so gross. It's yeah. got like spidery legs, a big, mm-hmm. big head. 
like a more of like a crowny head. Yeah. Uh looks fucking awesome. Xenomorphs start coming out of the walls. And then Ripley's like threatens stops them by threatening to torch her eggs and then backs out of the room and torches the eggs. <laughs> yeah. Still does One it. of the eggs starts to open <laughs> up and she torches all of them and i'm like yeah "Eh, seems like a like just strategically speaking is this the best plan i don't know Uh, which he's not only torching him she starts shooting them and the xenomorphs blows the sat egg sack off the queen with a grenade and it starts throwing grenades blows the place it feels like a very cathartic moment like i think she's she's working out a lot of her shit right now the queen separates from her egg sack and starts chasing them. It's Rip- gross. It's, it's really gross. gross. Yeah. <laughs> Ripley calls the elevator. Uh, the whole place is about to blow. And they get, they get into the elevator just as the queen arrives. The elevator goes up. The drop ship, they get there. The drop ship's gone. Bishop, God damn you. The place starts to blow and collapse around them. And then the sh- drop ship comes back. And Bishop came through after all. Uh, they get in. They get off planet. Well, so wait. Is it different in your version? Because doesn't the queen come up in the elevator? Um, I don't know that I... Maybe things were happening too fast and I didn't note it. I think I think they might have. Because I will say that this is one of the moments in the movie that really strains credulity for me. Where it's like... There, it basically, I don't know if we see the queen come out of the elevator. I don't or think not, we do. But the elevator is coming up. There's a shot where Ripley is like sees the elevator coming up and she's backing away from it. Uh, I might be the edge. I might be totally tells, wrong because this was getting mm. late and I was taking notes. And things are happening pretty fast. I mm. don't think that shot. I have to check. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll check it again. It's on HBO Max, so mm-hmm. one of us will be right, and the other one will have to um, tug tell a tell a body limerick on the next. Episode. <laughs> the next one will have the other person will have to invite the other one into the tug truck. Oh no! <laughs> um, so they get off planet. Um, so then <clears throat> they get back up to the ship. They have to leave to get a stretcher for Hicks. And then they get off the ship. You know, Bishop's like, I'm sorry. The the platform became unstable and I had to circle back around. Yeah. It's like, turns out he's a good, he was a good guy. The good whole time. Synthetic guy. Then, unfortunately, the queen thrusts her tail through Bishop, spearing him, um, and then pulls him up rips him fully in half his bloody milk goes everywhere it's such a great shot yeah and i i had to look up how they did it and it's obviously it's a fake body but it's apparently it's like a spring-loaded contraption that like rips the torso in half it's cool it's so violent and i mean that is like the the motion itself is great where it's just like completely ripped in half. His legs go flying 20 feet one way. His upper body goes the other <laughs> way. It's so, it's so good. Uh, Newt runs while Ripley distracts the queen. The split bishop is still alive. He's got like, it looks gross inside of him. 
Like he's got like a, you know, like a, a, a tube that's like flopping around. <laughs> hey, we all have floppy tubes. We all have floppy tubes. <laughs> the queen uh, tries to grab Newt. A door opens. Ripley comes out in the mech. Get away from her, you bitch. Get that. That's the actual. That's the actual, line. like, yeah, famous line for the movie. Third place, the bronze medal going to, they mostly come at night. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's only because it was repopularized by uh, Cartman on South Park. <laughs> the mech fight. There's a mech fight with the queen. You know, I'm not going to get into B by B, but basically she it's picks good. the queen up by the neck, drops the queen down into like the airlock. The mech goes down with it. So Ripley has to climb out, opens the airlock. Everything starts getting sucked out. This does strain credulity. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the queen grabs onto Ripley's shoe. Uh, and then it was like you know like loses his grip, falls into space. Yes, Queen seems like very heavy. Like maybe Ripley would not be able to not be able to. Yeah, while she's getting sucked out by the vacuum of space and right. holding on to a bar, um, then she still is able to crawl out of there while getting sucked down. Yeah, she doesn't even turn it off while she's inside. It no. makes very little sense. Yeah. Bishop grabs Newt, which is cool. Like he's like split in half, but he has like one hand grabbing onto something and then the other hand he grabs Newt with. Uh and then Ripley closes the airlock. Newt calls her mommy. And then Ripley, Newton, Hicks, um, and uh Bishop, who's all fucked up. Bishop and his floppy tubes. Yeah, Bishop and his floppy tube in like a plastic bag. They get put in hypersleep for their return to Earth. That's the end, baby. The end. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. <clears throat> Just an absolutely breathless final 90 minutes. Really is. Yeah. yeah. Really, really is. Okay. So uh, as far as deaths go, we got the cocooned lady. Um, we got Pharaoh. Yeah, actually, I noticed nobody dies in this movie until like an hour in. Yeah. It's interesting. So we got the cocooned colonist, Pharaoh, the dude on fire, Crow, uh, Apony, Drake, Spunkmeyer, the pilot of the dropship, Hudson, Burke, Vasquez, and Gorman. Uh, forgive me if I missed anybody. I think that's it. <clears throat> Who would you say is your favorite death in the movie, Mike? Um, well, honorable mention to because he doesn't actually die, but but we just talked about Bishop getting ripped in half from a horror movie perspective. That's the best one for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, he doesn't actually die, uh, so I'll probably say the um. You know, it's it's not really violent at all, but for the reasons I talked about, for that touching emotional moment, I'll go with the dual deaths of Vasquez and Gorman. Yeah, that was going to be mine. Um, I will oh, also sorry. call out the pilot of the dropship getting pulled back and the blood splattering good one. on the yeah. windshield just because it looks very cool. It's like satisfying yeah. in a horror movie kind of way. And it's some of the only red blood in the movie. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, there we are. Uh, this is a you know actually we accidentally I just because of my bad copying and pasting skills skipped this segment last time, which is the moment that aged the worst. Uh, and I'll yeah. say for Alien, I don't think there is anything in it that aged poorly. Yeah. 
It was an appropriate movie to forget this segment for because neither of us could come up with anything really that hasn't withstood the test of time from Alien. Yeah. Uh, so then I'm going to steal what I'm sure you're going to say and yeah, go first. Yeah, just say the thing. <laughs> and it's Vasquez doing brownface, the lady who plays Vasquez. Yeah. Nothing against her. Uh, um, it it's was, a good performance. It was a different time. Yeah. This was 31 years ago, or no, not 31, fucking 35 years. Wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, that's awful. But yeah, um, Jeanette Goldstein is uh, a white passing Jewish woman with, yeah. Large, yeah. with large breasts. Um, <laughs> and her, she gives a great performance. Uh, she is fully in brown face, like the makeup department like darkened her skin Mm -hmm. um she has said in interviews that it probably wouldn't go down that way if this movie was cast today uh i agree i or at least i fucking hope so yeah um (laughs) she does she basically the the only sort of meek excuse she gives is that um they wanted someone with a with like an imposing physique and she was the only person who auditioned who had like you know, muscle definition, which she does. She looks she does. good. She has some, she doing has some guns. Yeah. Um, but not an excuse. Uh, yeah. So that's a slam dunk. I think we're in agreement there. Um, we like to rate how scary these movies are by comparing them to the oeuvre of a horror filmmaker. We're doing Wes Craven right now. And that has been proven to be nothing except <laughs> difficult. <laughs> Eric and I already have to watch a lot of horror movies for this podcast, and I'm starting to feel like I also need to watch a bunch of Wes Craven movies. Yeah, I I watched uh, Deadly... What is it? Deadly Friend? Deadly Friend, yeah. I watched Deadly Friend. uh, I almost watched Serpent in the Rainbow, but I watched Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping instead. Great movie. Uh, It's great. Um, I gotta watch Cursed. There's a... Turns out, there's a lot of Wes Craven movies I haven't seen. Some of the more, like, (laughs) deep cuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a pitch for this one, which is okay. another sequel that I, th- and I know we're not talking about tonally. That's something we have to divorce ourselves from. This is how scary okay. these movies are. Uh huh. This is a movie that I don't think is very scary, but tonally it also fits because I think it is a sequel that, uh, has, at least there's a conversation on if it's better or as good as the original mm-hmm. i'm gonna say scream 2 okay um i i'm very appreciative of your um you know being constructive and coming up with a with a firm answer i think that uh in the interest of some uh lighthearted debate i disagree with both points that you made okay <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that no one thinks Scream 2 is better than Scream. Um, uh, maybe as good as. I don't know. I watched it. Yeah. I did re- watch it again recently. And it's like, yeah. I think Scream 2 is just better than people remember. I think they. it's a somewhat. People are like, oh, it's a much lesser sequel. And in reality, it's like a pretty decent sequel. Uh, see, um, when I, I loved it when I first saw it. I was like, this is just yeah. as good, if not better than Scream. <laughs> I've seen it a bunch we, of times. But hey, we we'll all get, have. We'll yeah. get to it. We'll do screen we'll, at some point. We will get there. Yeah, and we're all entitled to our opinions. Uh, another opinion that I disagree with you on is I think this movie is actually quite scary. Um, it is a different vibe. It doesn't have that, um, you know, 
haunted house like oppressive horror vibe of an of like that alien does mm-hmm. but there are a bunch of to me very scary moments in this movie um i mentioned just two of the ones that immediately come to mind the aliens in the ceiling uh the face hugger scene in the medical room um but there's like a bunch of good jump scares in this and it's like super punishing and i do think that the whole situation that they set up is is really very intense and kind of scary um, that exploring because this time around, instead of not knowing what you're dealing with, you kind of like do know what you're dealing with and you spend so much of the beginning of the movie waiting for it to pop out at you. Mm-hmm. And you have the, the, you know, the dream sequence with the chest burster, I think is a great dream jump scare at the beginning of the movie. So overall, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily argue that this is as scary as the first one. But in my mind, when I was starting to look at the Wes Craven filmography, I'm like, okay, what's the second scariest movie that he's made? Because this, to me, is much scarier than most of the movies we've watched for this podcast. Uh, So with Alien, we did Nightmare on Elm Street. Can I guess what you're going to say? I don't know. Oh, I was going to say New new Nightmare. All right. I like it, but I don't know how you feel about it. I we like can also it. just I like dis- it. we can disagree. We can we can have a split vote. Yeah, I mean, I, too I, and I, I don't think this movie is very scary. I do like acknowledge everything you just said, and like, yeah, that's right, that's true, that's true. Um, but I don't have a better answer. It's okay. the biggest thing. It's I definitely mean, I no any... deadly friend. <laughs> it's no deadly friend. I don't see any reason why we need to reach consensus on the Cravens. Sure, that's true. I mean, that's true. We often do. We have traditionally, but I mean, we feel differently about how scary it is. Yeah. So I say it's a new nightmare. That's a great pick from you. You can say it's a scream, too, if you want. No, I'm going to agree with you. Let's go with new nightmare. I'm going to agree with my pick for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Grow a spine. Uh, all right. Moving on. Grow a spine. All right. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> then finally, Mary fuck kill. I mean, come on. Come yeah. On. No, no, um, no point dragging this out. It's great. It's I mean, this is I think is this the first Mary Mary to start uh, uh, quite a franchise? Um, in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. I mean, I think uh, I've definitely given two Marys. Like I probably Friday Thirteenth one and two. Uh, I don't think I gave Friday the Thirteenth one. Yeah, you didn't. Oh, you mean unanimous? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I did. But okay, so you as an easy grader have given some out. <laughs> I'm an easy grader, yeah. yeah. Well, I believe it's my first Mary Mary, but the people who run the Killstreak Wiki can can get at me. Yeah, get at us. Know. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's a Mary for me, and this movie fucking rules. Yeah. <laughs> today, today is not the day that we will litigate, is this movie as good or better than Alien? Today is the day we will simply say... This movie is fucking great. Well put, my friend. Okay, we have time for a third segment, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to do that third segment. Yes, and in this break, please listen for a quick advertisement for a new podcast from some friends of ours. Five bad movies. We live in a world where people can be turned into owls, apparently. Apparently. I know this is shocking. Three role-playing gamers. He whips out a Bunsen burner, lights it up, and uses it like a torch to torch the ghosts. He's gonna torch ghosts. We're torching ghosts. Holy shit. (laughs) 
one bizarre podcast. Should we try to dissuade these gentlemen or just go straight to murder? We do the old murder talk. I murder some, talk to others. I want to give you a token for reading Ass Magazine the whole time he was digging. Oh, thank you. I think that's very in character. Oh, much appreciated. No, I hate magic. I hate magicians. I've had a big fear of magicians ever since I was a kid. Okay, I've, great. Hey, what? kids, who wants to see a magician? <laughs> Subscribe to Worst Movies Ever Played wherever you get your podcasts. Bert, I got a loaded gun in a Ralph's back here. Oh, God! What's an owl doing with a loaded gun and a hand all righty we're not going to rob you of another third segment like we did last episode yeah mike you got something cooking for me what's i do what's uh what you're making over there i hope it's a stew <laughs> the stew that i've been denied yeah that's right you still gotta talk to that wife of yours uh <laughs> a man needs his stew we're going to do a roast tomorrow. That's pretty but, close. Uh, That's pretty good. It's close to a stew. Yeah. That's, yeah. I would say alongside a hearty chowder, uh, <laughs> the best, the best, Hangover cure. the best non stew option. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, a pot roast, classic roast, one might argue is a stew. Uh, mm-hmm. But, anyways, mm-hmm. that's neither here nor there. Uh, it is time for, it's been a while, a chop quiz. That's a chopping that's sound. A, yeah, that's a chopping sound. Maybe one day we'll get music for some of these segments. Probably. Yeah, we probably should do that. Right? Yeah, I mean, you are a musician. So. Uh, uh, yeah, I did make the Kill Streak theme song. That's true. So you're welcome. Do you think maybe it's time to freshen up the theme song? I was wondering that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe like time. a like a remix, like a season two version. You know, mm, I like that. Yeah, maybe the next uh, next series we do, I can freshen it up. That'd be pretty fun. Well, in the meantime, Eric, how would you like to, family feud style, try to guess the 10 highest grossing horror franchises of all time? Wow. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, we mentioned that this, one of the things we didn't really say about Aliens is that, you know, it was super influential. It is also, this is what created the franchise, right? Because... It, this this movie truly wrote the book on how to do a sequel well, right? It's like you go bigger, uh-huh. you go more, but you also maybe go a different direction. It's not just more of the same, you know? Um, uh-huh. And this movie truly spun off into a massive franchise, which we're going to be covering for six weeks, and we're skipping some of the movies. Yeah. 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 So I have a list of the 10 highest grossing horror franchises of all time. Two things you should know. We are speaking about U.S. box office only, so okay. you don't have to worry about, um, you know, what were, you know, in recent days, movies that are being cooked up for to appeal to a Chinese audience so they can make an extra billion dollars. Um, uh-huh. And this is also not adjusted for inflation, so you may encounter at times a bit of a recency bias, but I would say don't let that inform your choices too much. Okay. So we will do this family feud style. You have three strikes. Okay. And let's see if you can get all 10 of them. I believe that you've got a chance. Okay. I'm going to go with the uh, series that we are covering now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alien. It's a little bit of a given. Ding, ding. Yes, it's on the list. Would you care to hazard a guess where it places on the list? Number four. 
So not adjusted for inflation, the Alien franchise is the number one most profitable wow. horror franchise of all time. That is surprising. Yes. I was a little bit surprised too. But the total gross box office not adjusted in the U.S. is just under $600 million for the Alien series. Wow. Now, these days, you look at something like the MCU and the Avengers movies and, you know, kind of puts that to shame. But again, that's not taking into account uh, overseas. And, you know, this this is a series uh, going back 40 years. So. Okay, next up, I am. Oh man, um, I'm gonna go with Friday the Thirteenth. Ding ding, Friday the Thirteenth, number six all time. Okay, Nightmare on Elm Street is my next guest. Coming up right behind guest. it, number seven. Don't worry, we're all just gonna move past it. Like, <laughs> wow, number seven. Okay, yeah. I, I actually would have thought. But I guess there are more movies in the uh, in the Friday series. Yeah. Okay. So we got Aliens, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. I got three out of ten, yep. seven left. I'm going to go with a little bit of a dark horse. Uh, I don't know that it's on the list because I'm not sure that it's pure. It's not really a horror movie, mm-hmm. but I know it's very popular. Twilight. I am sorry. Damn. not on the list definitely not a horror franchise um, no i just know that it came up a lot yeah. in the vampire one that we did yeah so i will say that this list now that you've burned one of your strikes is uh, there i don't think there's anything on this list that is a debatably anything but a horror movie okay that's good to know that's good to know yeah. okay uh then i'm going to go with halloween halloween number nine. Ooh. okay yeah yeah that makes sense to me it not being as big as the others. Okay, so we have uh, currently um, remaining. You have two, three, four, five, eight, and ten, and we have got Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, and Alien off the board. I'm gonna go with. Oh, you know what? Before I say that, I'll say Saw, number three. Number three. Wow. Yes. A lot of money made there. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a swing here. Okay. The Conjuring. Very well swung, sir. Number two on the list. Wow. Yeah. There's that recency bias working for you. So, uh, sure. But I will say the Conjuring universe has also exploded in size in recent years. So the, It really has. So that covers not just Conjuring 1 and 2, but the Annabelle movie and the La Llorona and some other stuff as well. So, yeah. So you saying um, universe just unlocked a new one for me. Okay. Paranormal activity. Number five. Wow. Okay. Very so we good. got how, what, how many do I have left? You have three left. Number four, number eight, and number 10. Three left, two strikes. Yeah. I could still fail. Okay. Hmm. This is getting a little bit tougher. It is. But I mean, I don't want to help you too much. I'll just say there's there are no dark horses left on this list. I think mm-hmm. the three that remain all are um reasonable things to belong on a list like this. Okay. Okay. Trying to think of other big horror franchises that I haven't said. I'm not going to say Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. 
because I think those movies are too weird. They did not make it a lot of money. <laughs> no, they don't seem like they made a lot of money. Um, then I will go with. Uh, oh man, Scream. Number eight. Nice. Wow. He's he might just do it, folks. We got two left. Okay. Okay. Two left and two strikes. Um. Oh man, this is getting tough. No, that wouldn't be considered. Well, would it? No. Godzilla. No, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Uh, yeah. Damn it. Again, wouldn't not maybe not really the horror. original you could qualify as a horror movie? Maybe um, more of a disaster movie. Yeah, more of a disaster movie. So you have one strike remaining. Uh, in the interest of moving things along, and also because it's getting pretty tight here at the end, um, if you like, I'll give you one hint for the last two. Sure. So, number four and number ten on the list, in that order, number four and number ten, the two remaining represent, with inflation accounted for, the number one and number two most profitable horror franchise of all time. Okay. So number four is adjusted for inflation, the most profitable ever. Most profitable ever. Oh man, I have. Or I should say the. Keeps... I'm sorry. I should say the highest grossing. I keep saying most profitable, but this is not taking into account budgets. This is just highest grossing. That's my mistake. I can't get any more clues. Right. That's. I mean, you can if you want to muddy the waters here. But. Yeah, this is muddying the waters. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with Jaws. Number four. Nice. Okay. Phew. All right. Ah. One left. Locks my charger out. So I don't think anyone can say you, didn't, you put it, didn't put in a valiant effort, whether you get this one or not. This, this is going to be tough. This is number 10. This is the number two highest grossing horror franchise adjusted for inflation but it's number 10 what was number what was number nine number nine just to do a final rundown number one alien then conjuring saw jaws paranormal activity friday the 13th nightmare on elm street scream and at number nine halloween okay so this is below halloween oh all right good is below halloween i mean i don't know how much use this will be to you but i'll give you this hint that the Total U.S. box office gross in real dollars is $331 million. However, adjusted for inflation, the gross of this series is $1.22 billion. Holy shit. Okay, so that's not what I was thinking of. Ooh. Poltergeist? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Ah. It's a very good guess. See if this helps you at all. Um, this is a five-film franchise, and the vast majority of that $1.22 billion, the highest-grossing entry is the first, which made adjusted $917 million. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's a five-film franchise. Final Destination, maybe? 
Well, uh, remember that the actual gross was oh, only three hundred and thirty right. million. So uh, sometimes, in certain circles, regarded as one of the greatest horror movies ever made, The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Okay. Yeah. So valiant, valiant effort. I think you uh, acquitted yourself. Well, thank quite you. Well. I, I don't feel bad about that showing. No, should you? Okay, guys. Uh, hey, give us a like, a, re- a like, get, rate us and review us on iTunes is what I wanted to say. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, if that is where you consume podcasts, follow, become our friend on MySpace. Um, <laughs> on Friendster, hit us up on Friendster. Yeah, cat, what was Catch uh, 21? Does anybody remember that one? I don't remember that one at all. <laughs> it was weird. It was like vaguely dating oriented. Anyways, uh, don't worry about Makeoutclub.com. Find our profile there. Nobody would let me on that website. Really? You weren't cool enough? I, w- I had a girlfriend. I couldn't. I didn't even know it existed. I just looked at it. There's Underwear Club, too, which is where everybody posted lewds. Uh, and that was got some got some mileage on my old computer. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter or on Instagram. We're at KillstreakPod. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can write to us at Gmail. Uh, uh, you can write to our Gmail at KillstreakPod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Leave us a voicemail. The link is in the show notes. Um, yeah. Next week, we will be covering Alien to the Third Power, uh, <laughs> the directorial debut of David Fincher. Uh, so the heavy hitters in the director's chair keep on coming. Yeah. Like all of the movies in this franchise, we'll be covering throughout the series. It is available right now on HBO Max. Not a slouch in the bunch as far as directors go for these things. Uh, and as always, game over, man. Game over. <laughs>